The dance of freedom was joyful again, conquering the bridge of reason, and through the dark valley we survived. We were far from the dark forest, from where I had come. My saintly sister Therese and my new friends danced on with a particular lightness. My destiny was at hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royal France podcast. I am Walter Emerson, and uh, we finished the last episode in the dark forest, and we were very lost. <laughs> and uh, so you can you can go back the last couple of episodes, and I talked about the uh, first the intellectual issues that I had once I had uh, converted to the church, and I came across Saint Therese. And I was kind of, you know, my world and my view was bumping up against hers and hers endured and mine collapsed. And, and that led to a lot, of, uh, a lot of suffering as I discussed in the last session. And I left us sort of just kind of lost there. And, you know, we, you know we're using this pivot point of Joan of Arc, this, this moment I had in 2008, and I had to take you back to 1984 to the um, uh, to my conversion, and so you might you, now I want to take you kind of forward and go to around uh, 2006. So we're getting close. <laughs> so Joan of Arc was 2008. Now we're up to 2006. Now you might have noticed I read a little bit of my fourth prose. And at the beginning of this podcast. And uh, as you recall, I wrote four prose uh, that started all this uh, over a period of four days. And it really started all this writing, reflective and phenomenological, descriptive writing. And so we're, I read you now the, 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 the beginning of the fourth one. You might have noticed it had a little bit nicer tone to it. <laughs> it had a little bit, I'm kind of coming out of the dark forest. So let's talk about coming out of the dark forest in this sort of you know, phenomenological description, this prose that I've written, and 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 talk about and and, and kind of advance advance forward. So, you know, here we are. We're we're, we're lost away, suffering immensely, and you know, it's essentially what it is is it's a it's a it's a crash between two worlds. It's that conversion and being introduced to the mystery of the truth of the church, of the real and substantial presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, of the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary, our mother, and having consecrated myself to her, and then reading the story of uh, autobiography of St. Therese and becoming very imbued with Therese's spirit. And you remember I've been talking about what I call the Theresean effect, whereby I, I, I could understand, I had an understanding of the truth of what she was saying, but I didn't know any way to explain it. So it was something I could not rationally describe to you, but yet I knew that this was truth that she was talking about. And yet I came out of that old world, remember? I came out of that sort of every man, uh, any man, um, just go along with the way the world thinks, didn't really care much about anything or religion. And I came in with that. So these worlds collided, right? And so they, the worlds collided and mine shattered. 
and Therese has endured. So now here, here we are, uh, you know, I'm on, on my knees in the dark forest. And now coming out of that certainly required help. Now, first and foremost came the help of my family, of my wife and my son and their prayers and their patience and the immense suffering they went through because of the mental and physical suffering that I was going through over an extended period of time. So it was, it was something that was extremely hard for them. And, uh, but through their prayers and their help, their patience, their dedication, you know, I, I was able to at least, you know, take those next steps. And, you know, kind of going to that point, my, my wife, uh, Josie, um, around 2006, went to a silent retreat. And this was with a, uh, you know, with a priest and everything. And we were in the Chicago area at the time, and she went to this silent retreat. It was a six-day silent retreat. And I remember thinking, that's wonderful for her and, you know, um, I'm, I'm certainly never going to do something like that, but she went and I wanted her to, to get a lot out of it. And, uh, so she, she called me at a certain point, maybe three or four days in, and she said, the, the priest really thinks you should go to a silent retreat. He really wants you to go to a silent retreat. And I thought, I didn't say this. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll consider that. But in deep inside, I was just going, there's no way that's going to happen. I'm not going to a six six day silent retreat anywhere. And so came the time at the end of the week to pick her up for the Saturday closing mass, the Saturday evening closing mass. And and uh, I remember thinking that I was taking my son with us to to pick her pick her up. And I remember thinking that, Lord, if you really want me to go to a silent retreat, I need a sign. I need a big one. It, it can't be a subtle, like I need to figure out if that was really a sign or not. It needs to be something, uh, you know, substantial. So we go into the Mass, and the priest, you know, begins the Mass, and he, and he goes up for the homily. And he, when, he, when he stepped up, he picked up a crucifix, and he held the crucifix up. And the minute he did that, I knew immediately. I mean, I just immediately said, I'm going to the silent retreat. <laughs> so that can't be a much bigger sign than that when you just have an immediate conversion to go. And so I knew immediately that I was going to go. And so when I brought, brought her home, and, and it was starting the next week. Now, we were in the Chicago area, and the, next, the, the following week was way over in the Pocono Mountains of uh, eastern Pennsylvania, close to Philadelphia. And, you know, that's quite a, quite a little trip to suddenly decide to make the following day. And so the, the next day, I, I said around, and, and guess what day it was? It was July 16th was the day after, you know, we came home and I was making this decision. That was the day of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And uh, that was, it was July 16th, year, many years before uh, in fact, uh, 20 years before exactly that I had made my total consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary, according to St. Louis de Montfort. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, should I, I really, did, did, is this a mistake? Should I go? Anyway, I, pick, I packed everything up. I loaded my car and I, I took off uh, to try to get there and drive all night. It was like a 13-hour drive and I was just going to drive all night to get there for when it started on Monday. 
and Monday morning. And I just drove off. And what I remember was the entire way there. I didn't play a radio. I didn't play any, you know, no music, no nothing. All I did was just really pray the whole time I was going. And I remember praying uh, to our Holy Mother and asking her, I must, you know, please give me the Holy Spirit. Please give me healing. And so we, I got, I got there. I actually got in very early in the morning and slept, slept on a bench. And they came in Monday morning and said, oh, you must be the person from Chicago. And they got me squared away. But that evening, uh, the first day of the silent retreat, the, uh, the priest offered confessions when it was done in the evening. And so I, I did that. I went to confession and then I went over into the chapel. It was at an old seminary. And we, I went into the chapel and went up to a beautiful statue of our Holy Mother. And as soon as I did, I knew something deep inside of me changed. I just, I just knew it. And, and in fact, it, it proved to be true. It was a moment of great healing and great uh, conversion, uh, interior conversion, and, and a moment of great healing. And the next day in the silent retreat, in my mind, as the priest was reading, I heard, uh, the, I heard him you know, reading the scripture from Matthew, seek first the kingdom, that that was what Our Lady wanted me to do, was seek first the kingdom. And you know, so at that point, I go home and I'm just... You know, I'm elated because I can tell that things are really turned around. And I began making regular visits to the Blessed Sacrament, you know, practically daily going to the Blessed Sacrament. And, you know, so I thought, well, this is, you know, and, and that's obviously a great start. You got to go to Mass, go to participate in the sacraments, do Eucharistic adoration, consecrate yourself to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, so I did all of that. And then um, up, up around the year now in 2008, so that ought to tell you something, we're, we're finally up to 2008. And I was, you know, doing my, you know, my uh, spiritual work and reading and reading the Bible, doing my morning prayers and evening prayers, reading spiritual reading and participating in the sacraments. And I came across this poem by St. Therese, because you know by now I'm very devoted. St. Therese was with me during that whole time. And so I read this, I got to this poem, and I'm going to read it to you. This is the poem that jo that um, Therese wrote about Joan of Arc. And this is what I read. And this is in the fall of 2008 now. When the Lord God of hosts gave you victory, you drove out the foreigner and had the king crowned. Joan, your name became renowned in history. Our greatest conquerors paled before you. But that was only a fleeting glory. Your name needed a saint's halo. So the beloved offered you his bitter cup, and like him, you were spurned by men. At the bottom of a black dungeon, laden with heavy chains, the cruel foreigner filled you with grief. Not one of your friends took part in your pain. Not one came forward to wipe your tears. Joan, in your dark prison, you seem to me more radiant, more beautiful than at your king's coronation. This heavenly reflection of eternal glory. Who then brought it upon you? It was betrayal. Ah, if the God of love in this valley of tears had not come to seek betrayal and death, Suffering would hold no attraction for us. Now we love it. It is our treasure.
and that's a poem called by St. Therese called Joan of Arc. And so that, that was really when the moment happened. It was through that poem that I had this very instant, powerful, unreflective certainty that I've been referring to uh, with, regarding uh, St. Joan of Arc. And the, one of the things that has carried forward in addition to, you know, this, this is never abated. I've been, I've been pursuing the mystery of what happened to me that day, of who Joan of Arc is, what her relationship with St. Therese is, what is her relationship with us in the larger church. I've been pursuing this mystery now many, many years. And I continue. It, it remains the driving force of, of my life. So it was clearly a moment of grace when the Lord and Our Lady indicated that this was the path they wanted me to follow. This was the path of my journey. So my, my searching this mystery, you know, so what happened that day? Who is Joan of Arc? What was this, what was this unreflective certainty? Remains something that, that it appears it becomes clear, but it also remains uh, partially hidden and a mystery. And that, that partially hidden mystery is what keeps me going and keeps me looking. And that's where I sort of engage in that phenomenological process, which is so beautiful. Basically, essentially, I mean, just to put it in simple terms, instead of me trying to figure out what all this meant using my old paradigms and my way of thinking about the world, I simply opened myself up to receive, to contemplate, to receive, to write down, to think about, to make connections, meaningful connections uh, of my contemplations, to see what picture was forming. I was letting this moment, I was letting the Holy Spirit, I was letting St. Joan and St. Therese speak to me instead of me dictating the terms of the conversation using my own mind. And that's, that is really a simple way of thinking about phenomenology. It's, it's thinking about, um, you know, rather than, than, you know, thinking internally, we, we learn to look outside and receive uh, what the world is giving to us. And so there, there's a lot you can do, but I, that was the process that began in me, the process of receiving and letting what I was receiving change my paradigms rather than insisting on my paradigms or making sure that I could fit them into my paradigms. And that's when that was the whole purpose of all this reflective writing of descriptive phenomenology was just letting it speak to me, let it just writing it down. What is it saying? Does it make sense? Are there moments of meaning? Are there little pieces I can put together that then construct into higher moments of meaning? You know, that, that's really powerful. And, and another important thing, you know, I've said it many times, you see it in my, um, you know, my writing, my, my site, my writings, is it, it, it made me realize that St. Therese is really what I call the hermeneutic, the interpreter for Joan of Arc in my life. You know, there's so many interpretations of St. Joan of Arc. And I, you know, I like to tell people that St. Joan of, that, that 
St. Therese is the authentic interpreter of St. Joan of Arc. If you want to know who St. Joan of Arc is, go to St. Therese. And so that is, that's how I viewed her, is basically her role uh, over all these years, my devotion to St. Therese, that, that, that mystery, that substantive understanding I have, but I, I didn't know what it was that I was understanding, um, that, that mystery hidden, hidden in the, in the, in the mist, you know, with the kingdom and the, in the distance, you know, that was really the source of the hermeneutic, the source of the interpretation of St. Joan. And, and so that's why I've always had those two together. I talk about the combined hearts of St. Joan and St. Therese. You know, I talk about them together because my devotion to Joan is really coming through the voice and heart and, and mind of St. Therese. And it's a, it's a really, a, 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 it's a marvelous, uh, marvelous experience. And so that was how I got up to this moment of, you know, St. Joan of Arc and, and why I had to, just had to pursue it. I, I there was, I, I essentially in life had to just, there was no way for me not to pursue this. And it, and it just began with writing and writing. And then, you know, eventually I developed, you know, a blog and I began t- showing other people what I was writing and, you know, receiving some, some feedback. And, and, and over time, I could see something bigger, uh, something bigger was coming together. There was a construct of a larger model that when you when you sort of looked at this descriptive writing of what's going on in my life, what are my feelings about this? What am I perceiving that that this moment's telling me? What am I perceiving this devotion to Saint Joan of Arc is telling me? And and through the eye, uh, eyes and heart and mind of Saint Therese, what what is what is that telling me? What's the Holy Spirit and Our Lady uh, trying to tell me? And I started seeing these little points where I could say. All right, th- this is kind of forming into a larger, um, you know, a, a, a larger sort of a model of meaning uh, that that was out there, and so that's really how it began, and it developed from there. So, in a future episode, I'll tell you then what the process was going there. But we managed to get up to two thousand and eight, into the moment of Saint Joan of Arc through the heart of Saint. Therese of, of Lysia. And so I managed through the prayers and patience of my family, my wife, who dutifully suffered so much, and, and, and my son, and through their prayers and support, and then obviously through the aid of grace with, uh, at the feet of, of Our Lady. And from that point, her instructions of seek first the kingdom. And then suddenly through St. Therese, my guide to that kingdom appeared. And that was St. Joan of Arc. And there you have it. (laughs) And I'll tell you what happened in another episode from that point. But now, now you know. Now we're up to 2008 in St. Joan of Arc. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I look forward to continuing this and telling you what happened next in another episode. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye.